Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. Hello, my name is Deidre Downing from Story IQ. And this week, we're going to discuss revolutionizing transport with data. Joining us is Andy Chatham, who is the co-founder and CEO at Demo, which is an open platform that connects data producers, like cars, and consumers, like applications and businesses, to unlock next-generation mobility services. It's a project that tech-savvy listeners who are excited about cars, IoT, data, crypto, Web3, and software development can benefit from. Today... Andy and I are going to discuss the future of mobility for transit-dense cities. Hi, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I have to say, this topic is of great interest to me. Uh, I'm a New Yorker, so I think we can call that a transit-dense area. So it hits home there. What's, what's your vision here? Or can you share with us your vision around mobility and what you're trying to do with Demo? Yeah, sure. And and I think, you know, probably for the, the listeners, it might be helpful to have some context on, you know, what, what my experience in the, in the past has been. And so, yeah, before starting Demo with a group of people that were very interested in collecting data from cars and other transportation devices, I worked in the transit industry for close to 10 years. And um, my, my role at, at my previous company, which was called TransDev, it's a big mobility systems operator, runs bus and rail systems all over the world. My job there was to help people start to think about and even implement new technologies like connected vehicle applications, driver monitoring systems, and then eventually, you know, autonomous vehicles became very popular and, and everybody looked at it as something that you had to be, you know, putting your hands on and, and getting out into the real world. And, and I spent about six years helping autonomous vehicle companies scale up their operations to the point where they could be useful in a transit system or have some impact on urban life versus just being, you know, a way to kind of like replace Uber or uh, you know, offer taxi service in, in rural areas. And yeah, a lot of the like sort of frustrations that were and gaps that, that I experienced in the market are, are things that we're trying to address with Demo, which is putting data in people's hands and helping them bring a lot of these you know vehicles and, and systems online that we've started to see on, on streets like scooters and bikes and, and buses all on on the same system and, and allow people to build stuff on top of them, software applications, you know, real world services that can actually, you know, scale and, and be more reflective of, of how to create like you know, digital public utilities. And, and so, yeah, my vision is really that like um, things start to become more integrated, but also more decentralized to the point where the folks at the edge of the network can actually participate and, um, you know, be able to kind of have a say in, in how the system runs versus, you know, one thing I worry about in you know, kind of like dark vision of the future is companies having too much control over transportation. You have one person in San Francisco that can, you know, turn off the uh, taxi fleet in New York. And like, that's just not, not something that people really want. So yeah, uh, it's kind of like a positive version of the future and, um, you know, something that um, we're trying to create. And then some, some things that we're worried about certainly is, as a lot of these, you know, systems start to come online more and, and 
there's there's a ton of interesting stuff that has been playing out for about you know a decade that's really starting to land and impact people's lives, which is exciting too. Can you give me some examples of those things that you know in my day to day I might not know are a product of the type of data that you're you're having people share with Demo? What how for the regular person what is impacted for them? Yeah, so um, one of the things that uh, that Demo and, and the company I started that's actually built on top of Demo that, that makes you know hardware and software products for consumers. Um, so, so Demo is kind of an, an, an open source project, and it's designed to really be like infrastructure that other people can create apps and, and services on. And one of the things that we're very focused on at the moment is helping people connect their cars to the internet to an open platform and start collecting the data. So there can be one you know system that developers can use to build a better maintenance application or you know, better peer-to-peer car sharing system. And, and people don't understand today the extent to which that data is just like fragmented and unavailable for anybody that wants to create something with it. So, you know, we've gone through the hard task of integrating over 50 different automakers producing a hardware device that you can plug into any vehicle and bring it online, producing a mobile app that, you know, allows you to view the data from those vehicles. And like, those are tools that didn't exist three to four years ago. And it's because, you know, Toyota is the biggest automaker in the world and they're only like 12 to 14% of the vehicles on the road. So it's really fragmented. It's not like you can just create an app that works with data from cars and, there's a you know, tremendous amount of effort that has gone into just standardizing things and getting it to the point where you even could start to, you know, really get, kind of move move cars and other connected devices out of the like flip phone era into the smartphone era where there's there's a lot more permissionless innovation, I think is kind of the way to put it. I mentioned some of those car manufacturers might think about, and this is previously, so before this uh, connectedness came, comes through, really thought about their their technology and their products as proprietary. So I met, it must have been hard to get people to open up and accept, you know, the hardware that you're putting in and, and sharing the data um, with you. Have, has there been challenges with that? It just, to me, seems like there would be. <laughs> yeah. So there's one rule that we set at the beginning when we were starting Demo was if we have to ask an OEM to do something in order to give a person access to their data, then we're probably doing the wrong thing. So like everything we've built, this this um, device, for example, plugs into a universal port that's federally mandated, actually kind of globally adopted across vehicles. And so that's starting to be really protected by something that uh, is called right to repair, which is you know, kind of a philosophy, but also starting to be more like policy around making sure that consumers can access data from devices. Like you're not selling people a black box that they can never fix on, on their own or, you know, kind of look under the hood on. And so obviously we're, we're very big proponents of that. And I think there's, there's also kind of this like sort of game theory around the OEM's relationship with the consumer in automotive because they really just want to sell you the next car. And if they're trying to get in the way of consumers that are really accessing their own data from a device that they already paid for or paying for monthly, they don't really have a great leg to stand on um, from like you know, a PR and like public opinion standpoint. And they're very sensitive to people saying like, hey, you know, uh, automaker XYZ, like, why are you preventing me from getting the data from my car? I want to use Demo. I want to use a service that's on Demo. So like, who are you to tell me that this car that's already connected to the internet, I can't get the data from it and you're going to get to keep all of it? Like that, that's not what I signed up for. And so really taking a strong stance, but also providing people with tools to like, you know, take control of their data is really the first step. And that, that's something that we're just, you know, we feel like we've accomplished on, on kind of a, a base level in, in um, the last year or so. What uh, what kind of data might I have about myself? I'm just thinking about myself driving around in my 2013 Subaru Crosstrek, which might not have your device in it. But uh, yeah, as a consumer, what uh, what am I going to find? <laughs> not yet. Yeah, we'll get you one. <laughs> um, so, so cars are a nice entry point because 
I mean, by far the most data that's being collected about you is from your phone. And it's an incredibly personal thing. We have a, a, a mobile app that's attached to Demo, but we actually don't collect what's called telemetry data from the phone. So we don't know where you are when you're holding your phone. But the car is a nice thing to connect because like, actually, this, the data from the vehicle is the, is the source of a lot of really valuable transactions that you're probably already making. And so those are things like when you're, you know, out of warranty vehicle, you need to get it fixed, you need an oil change, like that, that data is available on the port. If you have a check engine light code, come on, that data is available. Um, and then just like generally collecting the uh, mileage data is really useful for people and just kind of having like a history of, of the trips that you've made with your car. And we're seeing people start to build products with that that are, that are quite interesting because you've probably, I don't know, maybe not, but like you've probably considered, hey, maybe I should think about getting an electric car and like having all of your driving data would allow you to look and say, how many times would I actually have like run out of battery? Or, you know, how does my driving patterns fit with, you know, a a new type of vehicle that I might want to purchase. And then there's also a lot of ways in which insurance companies will offer you discounts. There's a lot of products today in the market that look like this, that an insurance company will ship you. Except the problem there is then you're sharing all of your data with the insurance company and you just want to share a little bit, right? So like having the ability to, you know, provision out access to it. And, you know, we think as AI gets better and software gets cheaper to make, there's going to be an incredible amount of value in just like having historical data from, from your car. <laughs> And then people often think about data as something in the past, but where I think it's really valuable is the data in the future. So like just knowing, you know, hey, uh, my car got towed or we've had multiple users of our platform call us and say, you helped me recover my car when somebody stole it. And like, you know, th those kind of alerts, um, teen driving and like knowing how your vehicle's being used when you're not in it is very important. So like there's tons of use cases and, and the car is kind of nice because like it's it's not being collected. Like nobody's using that data today. And it's like, there just hasn't been a system to, you know, kind of organize it and make it available to people that can enrich it. How do you see, and I guess specifically, you know, you call out that you're thinking about the future of mobility in transit dense cities, right? So really thinking about cities, a lot of people around, what possibilities are there for perhaps like improving our transit systems with this data? And where do you see the future of em employing that in these large cities? Yeah, well, I come from the transit world and Demo is very much, you know, a lot of transit people are like very anti-personal car ownership. <laughs> and, and we sort of look at it as like a system level thing where there's limited space that's being divided up between, you know, on, on the roads and other right of way between you know, trains, buses, cars, trucks, you know, people walking, bikes. And if you're able to connect all of those things to a single system and allow them to be coordinated in a much more effective way, you can get more out of the space. And a lot of people don't realize, unless you're like a big transit nerd like me, that it's really a geometry problem, right? Like the, the L train going into New York City carries like 300,000 people a day or something like more than that. And in order to bring that many people into the city in a single occupancy vehicle, you need to build like 20 more bridges into New York. And so like, there's just these kind of like basic facts of life that that ultimately, when you're able to unlock better coordination by collect, connecting vehicles to a common system and allowing them to share data and kind of like organize more effectively, then you get more out of that that space. And, and that's really what we're after from like, you know, systems level perspective. And I think as cars start to be more automated, there's going to be increasing benefits to having them on a common layer and having them able to kind of like negotiate uh, for space on the road and maybe even pay for it. Like you're seeing a lot of, um, you know, congestion prices come into effect in cities because that's really the scarce resource that's being divided up between transit and bikes and walking. We want more for the like, you know, active modes of transportation, but counterintuitively the way to solve for that is like starting with the car and figuring out how, how we can help people use their cars more effectively. I can imagine there's a 
a wide array of environmental benefits for this. You know, I don't drive an electric car because I can't plug one in when I parallel park on the street. And a lot of New Yorkers are in that situation. But I'm just thinking about, you know, someone could use that data to create an app that shows me what parking spots near my apartment are open instead of me driving around, clearing the way for Amazon delivery trucks, for example. I just I, I can't imagine sort of just the efficiency some of this data could bring to our day-to-day lives. I'm always blown away by how much time i mean a lot of uh, my my colleagues live in new york and have cars and how much time is just taken out of their life like thinking about their where they're going to park their car and it's like multiple times a week they're like sitting in their car on the side of the road waiting for some street sweeper that's never going to come to <laughs> it's like just a totally insane thing and and certainly certainly something that i think we'll be able to um have some really interesting solutions for on top of demo and yeah you know <laughs> like that's that's definitely one of the most fascinating. I mean, there's a, a whole other story about about demo that I could go down around parking specifically, just because we one of the initial products we were working on was an automated parking system that would work with any type of car. So you could, you know, I think a, a big benefit is um, once cars start driving themselves, they'll be able to drive themselves around empty, and that means you know finding an efficient place to park and and stay. And also, it's a huge application for transit systems as well. Like buses being driven around in bus yards is a huge amount of waste. And like just being able to automate the, the beginning and the end of the trip is actually a lot of benefit. Um, but it's not what people like get all excited about in, in the media. Basically, they're looking for the like perfect robo taxi solution when I think the future is going to look a little different. Yeah, you have me like dreaming about the idea of hopping out of my car and letting it go find its own parking spot now. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I I think it's, it's going to be possible, but it's going to, it's going to require like a real systems level approach um, versus, you know, trying to, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe Tesla will be able to figure it out on on their own, but I still think they're going to need to, you know, interface with the rest of the world and and be able to coordinate in a more sensible way. The electric grid is actually kind of like an interesting comparison for, for how this might work in terms of how decentralized it is and how the resources are allocated. And um, yeah, there's going to be some really interesting stuff that, that happens, um, first step is getting getting all the data. So, Yeah, I imagine this is uh, an incredibly interesting area for app developers and, and different companies. Are you seeing you know, over the last, let's say, four or five years, a, an increase in the types of data people are looking for, the apps they're creating, and just the solutions that there didn't seem possible before? Yeah, it's it's been interesting over the last decade, really, since people started, I think, a decade ago, so, so you know, maybe 12, 12 years at this point, like 2012, people were starting to get very excited about the impact tech could have on transportation. But what they forgot is that it involves the real world. And so it takes like those timelines are like 10, you you know, transit systems think on multiple decades and, you know, city level transportation planning or, you know, like state level DOT transportation planning is 15 years out and automakers operate on like, they used to operate on eight year product cycles. And so you don't get the new technology until you know, it's, now Tesla has compressed that down quite a bit, but the new technology is not coming out as fast as it is with smartphones. And so it takes a lot longer for that to develop. And it's more frustrating for developers because, you know, they just want to be able to create something without having to talk to anybody or, you know, ask for API keys or, you know, uh, standardized data across different vehicles. And so we experienced a lot of those problems and set out to solve them with Demo. And, and one of the most important things we've been able to do is convince you know, about 40,000 people already, but you know, it's growing at about 20% a month right now to connect their car. So they have some data. And like the biggest challenge in, in creating any kind of you know, mobility application with connected vehicles has been just getting people to connect in the first place. <laughs> and so 
being able to solve that problem for developers and create this kind of like app store like feeling where you can write some software in a weekend and then have it in front of 40,000 people that can just hit one button and start using it is like incredibly mind blowing. And so we're just starting to like, you know, hit the critical mass where, where people are able to think like, oh, wow, it used to cost $10 million to make like a new insurance application because you had to make one of these devices and send it to 50,000 people and get them to plug it in. And um, now you can just write some code and have that accessible. And, and that's awesome. And, and that's taken 12 years to build. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it seems like it, the ability to really fast track innovation is there, even if it didn't seem like it happened quickly uh, uh, from from the start. Yeah, it's hard to understate how important it is to take the number of people you have to talk to as close to zero as possible in order to get started. <laughs> like it used to be used to be you'd have to talk to like a dozen people in order to get anywhere and even figure out how to do it. And now we're trying to get that number to zero. And we're pretty close. It's at, at the lowest you could do is one right now, but it's, it's getting closer to zero. Uh, before we wrap this episode up, could you share maybe what you're most excited about uh, in, you know, what this mobility data can do for, for cities and, you know, rural areas too, but you're right, the cities seem to have more people who could benefit right away. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly very different problems. And I think they're very interrelated as well. Like a lot of people who wind up in cities in the middle of the day started out somewhere very far outside of the city. Um, and so the thing I'm most excited about, I would say, is is just the potential for, I'll call it like human-centered autonomy. I mean, people are very aware of AI now in the last year. And I think they're going to start to be even more aware of it when it's powering vehicles driving down the road that is very visual and, you know, they're benefiting from it. That, that And and I, I, one thing that I'm very excited about is, is that to start to roll out in a more like human centric way where the data is more available and accessible and the systems are more transparent and it kind of like integrates into life versus sort of feeling like it's being like forced and, on us and like controlled from very far away. And so that's the thing that like, you know, gets me, gets me out of bed every day is that we're kind of moving, moving things forward in, in that direction. And we think ultimately that's the way it's going to win out because that's what people want. Well, it certainly gives me a lot to think about. Um, and um, hopefully our listeners too. We have another interesting conversation set for tomorrow, thinking about that real-time data use for transportation. But for now, that's going to wrap this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks again to Andy Chatham, co-founder and CEO at Demo, for joining us. As I mentioned before, in part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Andy and I are going to discuss creating real-time data for transportation. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Andy, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at AJ Chatham, C-H-A-T-H-A-M, or visit his company website at demo.dimo.zone. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling narratives with our audience of data storytellers, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always contact me directly at linkedin.com slash in slash Deidre Downing, or find us at, at StoryIQ on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. That's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Uh-huh.